1: Terrific Tuesday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show, and I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. Thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, listen to the show, whether it's on radio, TSN 1260, uh, iHeartRadio on the app, jasongreger.com on the uh, internet, TSN 1260, wherever you're listening, whether it's on your phone, laptop, radio. We uh, appreciate it. And I know many of you uh, aren't even in the Edmonton area, as uh, there's diehard uh, sports fans all over North America, some even uh, outside of the country who uh, listen to the show. So uh, hope you're doing well. Appreciate you taking the time. We have uh, loads to discuss on today's show. Will we go uh, back-to-back nights where a franchise and city will uh, celebrate a championship? In their sport for the first time ever. Uh, last night, the uh, Denver Nuggets, uh, they they rewind the clock. That was like 1980s, 1990 basketball. Low scoring, physical, missing shots. Back and forth. Entertaining game. Uh, the Joker didn't love it, though. He's like, come on, it's only 90 points. But, hey, they won. And that's all that matters is, is if you can win. Can you outscore your opponent? Whether you have to outscore them 120 to 119, 92 to 89, whatever it is they were deserving they went 16 and 4 in the playoffs really dominant start to finish they got a lot of their team coming back next year they are going to be a team to reckon with this didn't look like a you know a Dallas Mavericks team of 07 that was kind of a, you know a one shot everything worked out together no guarantee Denver's going to win again but uh, they should be a highly competitive team uh, at least for the uh, the next few seasons uh, with the uh, Jokic as well as uh, Jamal Murray and the the rest of that supporting cast. Uh, So well-deserved for them. Uh, First NBA title for the Nuggets since they uh, joined the NBA in 1976-77. So there you go. Tonight, Vegas uh, doesn't have the same length or same drought. Uh, They've only been in the league six years. But they are one win away from their first championship. And uh, full marks for them they have been the better team in the final no question you know matthew Kachuk uh, not there like this this is i think it's over just like i thought last night was going to be over i think vegas is going to win it on home ice now colorado didn't do it last year if you recall right they were up 3 to 1 lost game 5 at home then they had to go back to tampa bay before they won it so vegas i think ultimately is going to win whether it's tonight or whether it's friday but uh, i assume it is going to be tonight some uh, other news canada's Captain and all-time appearance leader for the men's team, Atiba Hutchinson, is going to retire. This is likely his last tournament for Canada. He's had an illustrious career, so uh, kudos to him. Makes sense. Uh, One player who is not retiring but signed a two-year extension with the Edmonton Oilers, Derek Ryan. Uh, 900 and K, $900,000 cap it. So, uh, he went from, uh, 1.25 last year down to, uh, 900K. So now it saves about, uh, 3.5 or sorry, 350K is what it is. It gets the second year of the deal. And I really see a very little concern in this contract. If in the second year, you know what? He's not playing well. You could do what you did with Devin Shore. Like Devin Shore was a healthy scratch for a lot of the season. Then he went down to the minors, played very well. And then actually when he got recalled, Derek Shore played fine. Right? For a 13th forward, there was nothing wrong with the contributions he got from uh, Derek, uh, from Devin Shore. And you know what? That might be Derek Ryan moving forward. But at 900 K k that means that uh, he could be sent to the minors and nothing counts against the cap. So... It's a, it's a win situation for both. He gets a, a little bit of extra money going down from 1.25 in one year. He gets 1.8 over a total of two seasons. And if you look at Derek Ryan, he's pretty much been a model of consistency since he came to the NHL. He doesn't have – I know his birth certificate says he's 36, turns 37 in December, but he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. He's played 500 NHL games, and he's played seven NHL seasons. And in those seasons, he scored – between 10 to 15 goals, and all of them except one in the uh, the COVID-shortened 21 season as a member of the Calgary Flames. He scored 11-15, 13-10, 10-13. It's fairly consistent. Right? You know what you're getting? Probably the most important thing for Ryan is rarely makes mistakes with the puck. And on a team that wants to limit their mistakes, there is something to be said about having a player who you know you can trust to not just make a glaring giveaway, everybody will have giveaways every now and then. You still want them to be glaring, so I uh, I see very very little downside to this. So we'll see. Also on the uh, program today, we'll hear from Derek Ryan. He is going to uh, join us at uh, four o'clock. Uh, Ryan Huska, so it'll be the Ryan Hour. Derek Ryan, Ryan Huska. The uh, new head coach of the Flames will join us at 420. Dave McCarthy from uh, SiriusXM will be by. We'll hear from uh, Gazola or Shogg. Sean Simpson from uh, Ottawa as uh, Lauer is their new owner. And uh, don't expect um, anything as far as uh, Steve Stale's connections to Ottawa happening uh, this year, uh, I'm told, at least before the, uh, like, if, if you look at the timing of this deal, it's likely not going to be ratified until later in the summer and so they're not gonna wait and then hire a GM then I'd be surprised so uh, Steve uh, staos was today in BC where the orders are having all of their uh, their pro Scout meetings so I wouldn't um, I, I wouldn't really think this has any impact on the future of Steve staos for this year okay um, in the future who knows but uh for this year i don't see it uh, really impacting the the emton orders and steve stales uh that's a good sign for them because true as you're getting to like you're into late you're into middle of june now like let's say hypothetically that this deal got ratified in two weeks and then stales does go it's hard to go out and find other guys to fill the role Ken, Ken holland outlined it at his end of season press conference right steve stales is Going to take on more of a assistant general manager roles, which makes sense. Steve Eiserman didn't just jump in to be a, a, a GM. Now, Steve Stales does have a lot of experience at the OHL level, right, which helps. But the NHL is still a, a little bit of a different beast. So uh, it, it's never a problem, I think, uh, if you get yourself an opportunity to uh, spend a little bit of time and, and learn more in regards to that. Uh, as always, you can text us at 10 12, 60. It's the Tuesday edition. Help me understand. We always take your questions on uh, Tuesday. Help us understand anything. Uh, sports, non-sports, comical, uh, we'll do both. Some are serious, some are not. So we'll see. Hey, Gregor, Shore did really well as a 13th forward for a team that goes 11-7. and 7. Well, Tim, they actually only went 11-7 and 7 if you count the days. I think it was uh, 31 games. And look at Devin Shore. Devin Shore, when he came in, did he perform, yes or no? It's a simple question. Yes or no? Let me know. Go look at his numbers. Did he get outscored? Because to me, that's maybe the most important thing that you're looking for from your 13th forward. I'm not expecting my 13th forward to come in and, and shoot the lights out offensively. It's kind of unrealistic. Right? But did he get scored on? Was he a detriment to their team five on five? Just a real quick answer. Oh, like, let's look at the goals for, oh, jeez, who is the best forward? Devin Shore. Played 47 games. When he was on the ice, he orders outscored the opposition 13-7. He was not a liability in any form or fashion. End of discussion. It's not even a discussion. To argue it is foolish. Foolish. McGregor, what are your thoughts on Peak on the back end? I think it would be a great compliment to Kulak. He's cost-effective for the next three years from uh, Jeremy. Um, I don't... He's, he's what? Well, he's basically the same price, right? I think he's two point seven five. Um, you know, he's a right shot defender. Is he better than? Is he significantly better than Vincent DeHartney? That's what you got to ask yourself, right? Because keep in mind, Vincent DeHartney makes two million less on the cap hit. Two mil. I don't believe Andrew Peak uh, when I look at the cap hit situation of the Edmonton orders. Is a major upgrade over Vincent Deary. Now, granted, I'm rather high on Vincent Deary. I think he is. Uh, I think he's a player that's only going to get better. He's got something that's impossible to teach. Six foot seven size. He's got some bite to his game. He's a very good penalty killer, and he's a defensive-minded defenseman. He doesn't care if he scores a point all year. I'm sure, it'd be nice if he did. But on a team that where offense isn't the issue, you need more guys who. Um, who focus more on the defensive end. That's just how it is. So see how it goes from there. Connor, I asked the question, and so I'm going to ask you, and I'll ask any of our listeners, today's NBA, right now today, when you look at teams and you look at their top duos, you pick whoever it is, is there a duo in the NBA that you would take over Jokic and Murray? <laughs>
3: No, no, there isn't. And I mean, you know, when healthy, you love what Steph Curry and uh, Klay Thompson can do with Splash Brothers. They're great. Uh, I think, you know, and and this is all going to be starting with when healthy. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, good. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, good. Uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker next year, good. Giannis Sonnenkupo and Drew Holiday, good. But I think when you look at just the differences in the styles that the the Denver Nuggets have with Jokic and Jamal Murray. Especially Jamal Murray. I mean, coming back from that surgery, he, he's he's looking like the player we thought he was going to be. I just think it's too tough to match. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown with the Celtics, another good duo. But, you know, I, I just think the versatility that you see with the Denver Nuggets, a big man like Jokic that, you know, can rebound but can also shoot threes. And then Jamal Murray, who uh, sees the court very well and can hit big shots. It's just, I, I think that is the, the top tier duo in the NBA right now. Like, I'm just curious. Like They're very unique in, in what they do.
1: And I'm not saying that they're the two best players, but just go th- through team by team and say, hey, like Jason Tatum and Brown, really good, would you take them over this too? Right, Thompson and Curry a few years ago probably, probably not now. Like LeBron and, and Anthony Davis? Mm, I don't think so. I wouldn't. Just the uniqueness of of Jokic, the uh, shooting ability of Murray. It's a good mix. So that that's why I think they're going to be in the running. They're not a they're not a guaranteed juggernaut, dominant team that you say, "Wow, no one can beat them." But it's going to be hard. Right? It's going to be difficult. They got good supporting cast, and uh, and I would think good management will just go out there and find another player, add to the mix, and away they go. They are uh, they're good. They're real good. So, Hey, boys, are there any Kuzmenkos out there waiting to come across? Really good question. Hard to say with certainty. If like What he did is, is very impressive. And you know what? Hey, he made the right decision. Because a lot of people said, man, he could have picked Edmonton. Yes, he could have picked Edmonton, but here's the difference. One of the main reasons he picked Vancouver over Edmonton was because he knew he wouldn't get the power play opportunity in Edmonton. He wasn't going to come in and take Nugent Hopkins' spot on the power play. And he's not a net front presence guy to take over Hyman or Kane in front of the net. So, you know, you have more puck touches. It helps. Good shooter. Right? He he fit in very well with Elias Pedersen. And guess what? He bet on himself. He wanted a situation that he felt would give him an opportunity to produce. He did. And he turned it into a two-year deal at, what, five and a half mil. It's good for him. I I can't say with certainty if there's anybody out there. I've asked a few scouts. I was told that there's nobody they feel that could come in and score 40 because that's just rare. But, hey, you don't have to score 40. Can you find someone who scores 15? That's what they'll look for. So do I think Edmonton will be on the hunt for those guys? Maybe, but keep in mind, Edmonton right now, if you're a player like Kuzmenko who comes over, you got to sign an entry-level deal, 925. You're looking, you want to make a big splash right away so you can do what Kozmenko did and then cash in big the next year. On Edmonton's team, they've got their main five forwards. So even if you're a good right winger, you're probably not going to get a lot of power play time. Now, you can still score decent numbers five on five. All right, you should be able to score. Hey, guys have scored 30 goals, ask Patrick Maroon. So it can happen. But it's just more challenging. So I, I'm not sure there's necessarily one out there for the Emton owners, but it's a good question. We'll take a quick break. Uh, when we return, we've got uh, Gazzola. We're going to talk some uh, basketball. Dave McCarthy. Then we have Derek Ryan, Ryan Huska in the uh, 4 o'clock hour in Edmonton Sports Theater, TSN 1260. 223, Jason Greger. Connor Halley with you. Had a little rain this morning. Wouldn't be bad if it got some more later today. Let's get to the Chronicles. Brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, they've taken action. They continue to grow as they celebrate their 50th year in the industry. they become one of the most diversified electrical contractors in Alberta. Project service tag, as well as energy, solar, and EV chargers. Check it out. Action Electrical.net. As uh, Tom Gazola joins us. Uh, busy day, Tom. Uh, June, there's always lots happening. Uh, the Edmonton Orders. Uh, Derek Ryan, not a big surprise. It's been talked about for a while. The, uh, the 900K number had uh, been floated out for a bit. And... Um Makes sense uh, for Edmonton and for Ryan. He, uh, you know, the guy's always in good condition. He's top five in conditioning for the Edmonton Orders. Very smart player. Can win some faceoffs. And if his, if he tails off in the second year, he can send him to the minors. It doesn't count against cap.
0: Yeah, Greg's uh, not surprising that Derek Ryan gets a deal, and maybe two years is the surprise. But he's really well respected in the room. Uh, a guy that's easy to talk to, pretty straightforward when you ask him stuff media-wise. And then uh, he's got the respect of the management side as well. The fans appreciate what he did in this deal. The price is right and shouldn't come as a surprise, really, for anybody. And uh, we'll see what Ryan can provide, if he can give you solid minutes, some PK time, pop in 10 goals, 10 assists, and provide uh, a decent plus-minus. I know that's not the be-all, end-all, but... Really, this is just a good signing and another kind of uh, chip in the in the process because uh, they're trying to rebuild this team uh, to get it back to the same general group that they had last season. So, uh, not surprising. And uh, obviously, he was excited to get the deal done. He announced it before the team even did. And we'll see what kind of uh, Derek Ryan shows up. But he's very content here in the uh, Alberta capital. And let's see what he does. So, uh, there's one... Uh, obstacle out of the way in, in the process and we'll see where where it goes from here with, uh, uh, you know, um, free agency coming up and, of course, uh, the draft as well. And, by the way, Greg, the, the hockey office department having meetings right now. They're all together and they're getting set to go forward with their plan of attack. So that's that's one thing out of the way for them and they can worry about the next thing.
1: Yeah, they're in B.C. right now um, for their, uh, their pro scout uh, meetings. Which happens uh, all the time. Lots of teams do it. In the June, you have your amateur scout meetings usually in uh, in late May. Uh, and then you get to your pro scout meetings. And, you know, th- that's where they'll be deciding, okay, I think, what are we doing with Clem Cawson? Uh, I ultimately think they're going to, they're going to qualify him. And, and there's a little bit of risk going to arbitration potentially because you know that Clem Cawson going to file for arbitration. It's in his rights. He should file for arbitration. But I look at, um, at Nick Bukestad. I'm hearing more and more. It seems unlikely that he's going to be back.
0: Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate. I mean, uh, it sounds like the exit meetings went really well and Bukestad, obviously, when was asked, you know, did you like it here? Would you like to come back? The answer was yes. But when, when the financial element comes into play, obviously cap limitations for the Oilers as has been discussed widely. Uh, that changes things. And, and once the agent says, hey, listen, uh, you can probably get X amount of years uh, for this much money, uh, you got to weigh your options, you know, you're 30 years old, are you ready to go at it for another Stanley Cup but at half the price that you could probably get? Or do you want to make the most of your opportunity, build off of a strong year where you prove to everyone you're worthy of a decent contract with some term? And unfortunately, that's just probably the way it's going to play out. Now, we could be surprised at the last second. I don't think we will be. Uh, And then the Oilers, if that's the the route Bukestad wants to go, they're going to have to adapt on the fly, and I'm sure they're putting together a plan in place already uh, to, to weigh their options and see what they want to do if Bukestad decides to go elsewhere and gets a more lucrative deal.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, Ryan McLeod, I think, is going to come in around $2 million, for for his deal and essentially that means bukestad's kind of like your fourth line center i just i, I don't mm-hmm. view them wanting to pay you know what he could command after scoring 17 goals uh, on the open market he's six foot six you know he had a pretty good bounce back season he's had pretty good years before he's not that old so I, I think there'll be teams out there the question will be and remember last year when ken holland said hey rat Vander kane you know what we'll give you permission to talk to teams before free agency began Because, you know, what Kane's camp thought they could get, they couldn't get. So there are some people are like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I think I can get that. And then you get to free agency and you can't get it. So we'll we'll see. At least I think teams that aren't competitive could offer him more money. But you finally won a playoff series. And I'll be curious to see how that much, if that plays into uh, Bukestad's decision making at all in this offseason.
0: Yeah. And that's totally reasonable, too. I mean, uh, at least, Greg's that speaks to the recognition, too, from uh, not just the guys that have been on the team, especially recently, but kind of a understanding league-wide that uh, this is a team on the rise. This is a team that's kind of there and in the mix. And, um, you know, the mindset is uh, if you want to come here and, and have a chance to win a Stanley Cup, then you might not hit one out of the park when it comes to, to money and terms. So uh, you're right, Uh they they'll let him go to market. He he has every right to do that. Um, but you know he's got to weigh those options. He's in a good situation, and and we'll see how it all plays out. But who knows, Greg? Said, this is you know that that the other thing I would say about Bukestad and and he came late in the season, right? Like when the talk of him coming over with the way things were going in Arizona, I was like, wow, wow, this might become more and more realistic. There's another guy out there, or a few options out there that towards the trade deadline that could pop up and become available and become good fit. So it might be a bummer if he does happen to get a deal elsewhere. Uh, You can look on the flip side and go, there are guys that become available that are functional and usable like Nick Bukestad was for the Oilers and might be as good of a fit, if not better. And and that's kind of the nice thing about uh, guys who aren't making big bucks and uh, are available late in the season.
1: Tom Gazzola joins us. I'm the sports editor, TSN 1260. Uh, Tommy, the, will the Stanley Cup be hoisted tonight?
0: Yes. Uh, I'll say yes because, A, I said, on this fine program, Golden Knights in five, and then, B, uh, I think that game on Saturday was a bit of a backbreaker. Uh, you know what? Florida had a lot of momentum. They they felt good about what they did in game number three, Gregs and then Vegas just had all the answers again, and, and that's a tough one. I mean, never say never, but, I think that that tonight is the night and uh, the Golden Knights earned it. Absolutely. Uh, You know, they dealt with losing their starting goaltender, which was Laurent Prasad, which we saw in game three of that second round series. Kudos to the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they're crowned champions tonight, worthy champions. And then Oilers fans are going, ah, you know, I wish that the team was still playing. I've had people bring that up when I see them at restaurants and around town. And I totally get that. But if it, lessens the blow, and it's not for everybody, but if it lessens the blow, losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champions two years in a row, um, it's not a feather in a cap, but you can look at that and go, you know what, that's okay. If you're going to lose to someone, it may as well be the Cup champs. And then next year you regroup, retool, and maybe you are the Cup champs.
1: Well, you know, here's the no, thing. I, we've had a lot of people text in about the fact that the order is this will be two years in a row. They've lost to the eventual Stanley Cup winner. And that means, oh, they're really close. And, and in theory, yes, but since 1987, when the NHL has had, had went to four rounds of seven games, do you know how many teams have lost to the cup winner in consecutive seasons?
0: Uh, maybe one or two. That's 25
1: oh wow yes it's not that meaningful right um the new york islanders did it in back-to-back years in the conference final to tampa bay recently um boston yes. in 2019 lost to the uh, blues in the cup final and then they lost in the second round the next year to uh tampa bay those are obviously the uh, the two most uh most recent ones and then you can just go down the list uh after that it's just it's just not that, you know, it's really not that important. But, you know, when you look at it, Dallas did it in 19 and and uh, 20. Columbus did it in 17 and 18, funny enough. Um, right. So Washington did it in 16 and 17. So it's, it's happened quite often. So are the orders competitive? Yes. The fact they've lost to the consecutive cup champs back-to-back years means absolutely nothing once the season begins and doesn't mean they're that much closer than anybody else considering 25 teams have done it since 1987.
0: Hey, every team takes a different path, Gregs, and we'll see how the Oilers uh, navigate theirs. But that's an interesting stat. And I don't know. We can That's the part of the offseason where we just chew on this stuff. It's up to them next year to make it happen. So we'll see. But it makes the conversation a lot more interesting, doesn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, hey, sure. The Orders are close. I don't think there's any debate on that. When, when you start next season, I, I don't care who the odds makers are. The, the Orders will be a top-ten team in the odds, maybe a top-five team to win the cup, right? It's just how it is. So, but doesn't mean they will, right? Like there's going to be five teams in the top five and only one of them wins. So I think Edmonton, they're all I care about for next, in the first two months of the season, we will see how serious the orders are about winning because we will see how are they in reducing the gift goals? Cause that's what cost them. It was a, it was an Achilles heel issue in the first three months of the season they eliminated it a little bit in the second half, and then it reared its ugly head again in the playoffs, specifically in the Vegas series, where they just they kind of self destructed more than Vegas took it to them. And that's going to be the measuring stick for Edmonton all the regular season. You know, the wins obviously will matter because you, they would like to get home ice advantage for sure. But it's going to come down to can they get into their head to eliminate? It doesn't mean that they're perfect. They're going to every team has games where they gift a goal now and then. But it, it was it was almost like a re, reoccurring situation every game or every second game and that can't happen
0: yeah exactly and uh how many times this season we talk about them being their own worst enemy uh that's a tough process to go through great and you know what too i think of the colorado avalanche with their their losses in the second round and how they couldn't get over the hump and people made a big deal about that eventually it clicks and I know there's some that are, you know, don't want to have the patience and say how many times, how many times, but uh, there are lessons that are valuable in these losses. And I, I believe what Emerson went through this past year is one of those. Uh, it probably stings a little bit more because of all the promise and what this team was able to build up. Uh, but, you know, and I think we, we get too caught up in it. Some, some of us, and we say, Oh yeah, but they're never going to compete this and that. It's not true. They're right there. They've set themselves up nicely. And you know what else is kind of interesting to me is how people are saying, well, they only have a two-year window because of those contracts. Greg, I don't really see it that way, but I understand where that comes from. I think uh, some sharp negotiating and some, some sharp uh, maneuvering and tactics by whoever the GM is at the time can avoid this you know, myth that, oh, they only have two years.
1: What did you make of the Rangers' hire today for Peter Laviolette? Uh, it just Laviolette's a good coach. He's proven. Uh, it,
0: just, it just feels like another recycled old, old coach to me, honestly, Gregs. But he's still got some shelf life on him. He, he had a, a depreciating asset in the Washington Capitals roster, and, and now he'll have an opportunity with a pretty damn good team with some good young players and and maybe he's the guy that could provide the spark that Gerard couldn't. I, I still think Gerard Galant's a good coach and that they pulled the trigger too soon on him in, in New York, but Laviolette going there, maybe he steadies the ship. Maybe a little bit of input here and there is good. It was interesting reading some of the comments from former Flyers players when uh, he went to Philly back in, what, 2010, when they were struggling out of the gate, then ended up taking them to the Stanley Cup final. He was the guy. He was the right the right voice and and made the right adjustments to those flyers and and took what was a pretty good roster and got it to the Stanley cup final against the Blackhawks. So uh, if Chris jury believes that Laviolette is the right guy tactically and the right voice and motivational mind that can, can galvanize a pretty good group in New York, then okay. But I thought that the Rangers gave up on a good coach and they brought in another good coach, but it does have that kind of feel of, you know, recycling an old asset in Laviolette, but the proof will be in the pudding when he uh, and his team take to the ice in October.
1: Tommy, yeah, I, I really think they missed the boat here on Chris Knobloch. Uh, we will see. Maybe I'm wrong. But I thought there was an opportunity right there for them to promote a guy within who's uh, put in a lot of time, knows the organization, has, has had success at every level. Uh, that one, I think, is a missed opportunity uh, for them. So we'll see how it goes. Tommy, have a good day. We'll chat with you tomorrow. Sounds good, Greg. Thanks. It's Tom Gazol in the Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, when we come back, there are uh, there are certain things if you're at a sporting event that are pretty cool promotions. Now maybe you've taken part in them, maybe you haven't. We will discuss one next and how fun it's going to be for a person with also like imagine that you get to number one go into. Uh, a contest, and then B, you have a sick name when you win. We'll discuss it on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 242, I'm at sports theater, TSN 1260. Lots of texts coming in. That's a Tuesday edition of Help Me Understand. So we have uh, some good ones. uh, Any questions, just start it out with Help Me Understand, and then we will uh, get to those coming up in the, uh, uh, probably later in the 3 o'clock hour. So, uh, you got some time because in the four o'clock hour, we have Derek Ryan joining us. Also, the new head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska. We'll be by. We're going to talk a little basketball now as we get to the blue and yellow report brought to you by the Edmonton Stingers. Fresh off uh, a big victory last night, dominant performance by the Stingers, and uh, they are back in action tomorrow night. Right now, you can get uh, single-game tickets as low as $20. Go to thestingers.ca for exciting C-E-B-L action. And uh, we are joined by the uh, president of the Stingers, Reid Clark, joins us uh, once again. Reid, how are you doing?
2: Great, Gregor. Thanks for having me on.
1: Now, be- before we get to uh, the basketball, I want to uh, discuss, the. hey, you guys have done a good job with promotions and uh, on your game on Saturday, you had the – and you do this every game, the half-court shot. And if you make it, it's beer for a year. <laughs> and uh, Bliss Ward was her name, yeah. and she buried it from halftime. So does, does that mean, like, she gets beer for herself or whoever's with her at the game? How does it work?
2: Yeah, so we've been doing – this is the second year we've been doing the beer for a year with Polar Park as, as the sponsor. And it's, it's just like you described it. It's a, it's a half-court shot. You got one shot to make it. If you hit it, you get beer for a year. How that works out is you get a certain amount of beer every month, Jason. So because oh. of the AGLC and rules, you can't overindulge. We don't want people to overindulge on their alcohol consumption. We want to make sure that you get enough beer to keep you happy and your family and friends. So she um, – it was crazy. I, I knew when she was going up. So we had – it was a women in basketball night. We were celebrating the Edmonton grads who some people – they're the best basketball team to ever play. Um, so we're celebrating them. So we had grads T-shirts. Um, everybody, every contestant was it was a female athlete or, or a basketball player, uh, which she was. And when I saw her get the ball, I was kind of on the baseline standing. I pulled up my phone right away, Jason. I was like, I was like, oh, she's she's got that look. She's got that look. I think she's going to hit this. And I said that to her who was sitting next to me. So I pulled it out and I recorded it. And she calmly uh, took one step and then drained it. And the place went crazy. Our in-game host, Kale, grabbed her, pulled up. It was the loudest I ever heard it. They were trying to do a timeout. So Jordan was talking to the team. The other coach was talking to his team. All the players turned around. It went crazy. Um, I don't know. P- people just love that promo. They love beer for a year. It's got such a huge value to it, and people just get pumped when they see it. So it, it was pretty amazing to see. And then it actually got picked up was on Global National News last Night And then CBS and in, in the States picked it up. So it's kind of one of those videos that goes viral, right?
1: Yeah. No, no, for sure. I think it's uh, it's good. You guys, you know, you've had a few sellouts uh, early on this season. W- what do you feel you've done different in marketing to have such big crowds?
2: Yeah, I mean, two out of our three games have been sellouts. We're looking for a good crowd tomorrow night and another capacity crowd on Saturday uh, as we are in this homestead. So, you know, people ask me that, like, kind of what's the difference um, you know, I think now kind of coming out of COVID, people getting more used to sporting events, that helps for sure. Uh, there's more kids playing basketball than ever was in this city in the past, so that helps. But um, I kind of tie it all into our focus in just being out in the community and being at basketball events, junior highs, high school, university. Since we changed that that kind of lens on how we want to do things, Jason, um, I think that's just helped in, in terms of the box office and, and people who know about the Stingers and want to come to our game and and you know we do things like the beer for a year and and uh the fan experience and you know all of our all of our great kind of in-game deals i think that just helps
1: now uh, obviously winning helps and you had a big win last night so uh you look to build off that uh Saskatchewan uh, comes in uh tomorrow night then you you have on uh Saturday the Montreal Lions a uh, a stretch cuz you, you kind of went 10 days without games and then you got four games in 8 days yeah. uh f- find that better Right, like you know, having games in succession kind of can build momentum a little bit more.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's not really. Ideally, you'd like a schedule, and especially for our fans, I, I don't want to have you know three or four games in a week. That that's hard for anyone to get to and to follow and stuff. I'd I'd rather have kind of one and two games a week sort of mark, so people can build a cadence when the games are and get used to it and plan ahead on it. Um, in terms of players, though, I, I think. You know, everyone who was coming from other leagues overseas or, or in the States, um, you know, we had three games and then we kind of had a nice break to kind of give guys a, a chance to sort of uh, relax, recuperate from their seasons, get to know each other. I mean, they only had a couple of games before then to practice and and giving us those uh that nine, ten days kind of off just was able to kind of build the team a lot closer and and for Jordan to kind of work all of his magic in terms of uh the sets and what he wants to run as an offense and a defense for the team. So I think that helped. But um yeah, if we can get him more a little more regular on the schedule, that's that's what we'll be looking to uh to change in the coming years with the CBL.
1: And so how, how does that work? Like, how difficult is the CBL scheduling when you sit down and you talk to them? I'm sure you've been through the process now a few times. Um, are, are there, are there lots of conflicts in, in other markets when it comes to the availability of their, of their home arena?
2: Yeah, I think that there is. For sure there is. Um, you know now you'll see that in other leagues too right yeah and they're also trying to keep travel costs down so they're trying to plan edmonton calgary on back-to-back nights a lot of times uh and do the same things when we go to toronto and their scarborough and Brampton, which are really just outside of the, of the gta right so they're trying to work that all in so it makes sense and and sometimes in the you know late spring summer there's a lot of other events going on i mean our venue you know, there's there's grads, there's concerts, so you got Those things are planned out far more in advance than, than our games. So you got to work with all that. Um, but now having ten teams, five in the West, five in the East, I think we've got a model that makes it uh, makes it a little bit easier for the scheduling. You know, especially going into next year, uh, they'll they'll be great for fans to kind of pick. Certain days, right, where like we know that's going to be a Stingers game day on a Friday night or or Saturday or or Wednesday, whatever it is, just have a little bit more consistency. So we'll we'll get there and it's going in the right direction.
1: Reed Clark joins the president of the uh, Edmonton Stingers. Are back in action uh, tomorrow night. As I uh, looked, and they're taking on Saskatchewan, uh, looking to uh, even up their season record at three and three. Uh, you mentioned the 10, 10 teams in the league. Um, you've expanded since the the league since you guys started five years ago. What yeah. what's kind of the plan for the CBL? Do, do you see more expansion, or would you like to kind of stay at ten for a while?
2: Um, you know, I think there's probably another couple markets in in Canada we'd like to look at, right? So I think probably one in the west, one in the east. Uh, there's been some talks about. It. I don't I don't know when that's going to come come ahead and join it, but you know, beyond that, maybe a couple other markets, but. You know, I think the 10-team league and final. I think right now is a good place to be at. But, um, you know, the more the basketball grows, and, and we've been seeing that we're we're doing better in some of the bigger markets, whether it's here or it's Calgary or, or it's Vancouver or Montreal. Um, so those kind of, you know, I think originally they thought, you know, market size could be, where there's a CHL team that could fit, well, why not a CBL team? But I think we're finding like the bigger markets uh, are definitely where we're seeing, you know, the more basketball fans and people who are into it. Right. So uh yeah, we'll see in the future, but I think there's a, uh, there's a couple options out there.
1: What about the, you know the basketball community in Edmonton? It's grown significantly the uh, the last few years, and I could tell the lacrosse community grew substantially when it had the Edmonton Rush. It's one of the big disappointments for when the Rush left in 2015, and the lacrosse numbers will back that up. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the CEBL having a pro team in town. There's always been a really strong basketball community in the Edmonton yeah. area. But Reed, you look at when you came in five years ago till now. What's the biggest difference you see from the local basketball community and how it potentially impacts your team?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think the local basketball community, it's tight in Edmonton. Um, it has been developed for a long time. We've got a rich basketball history here. But I, I think what's changed with us is that we've built up a lot of trust in, with these organizations uh, in the last year or so and, and given them opportunities to engage with us, to help them. Uh, come to a game to fundraise to give them kind of cool experiences and, and us kind of being you know the top of that tier being the professional team in the city um, we've got to kind of lead a lot of those initiatives right so you know, the community stuff that we're doing where it's fresh hoops the courts outside fresh nets, nets fresh kicks with the shoes and then tying in these kind of grassroots basketball organizations into that and helping them support it um, that's what's really brought them along so that we can all work together so you know, when you're doing cool stuff like we are, Jason, like people want to be a part of it. To be honest, and uh, they want to jump on board and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, how can I do this? What, how can I lend my hand and do it?" Because we all want the same thing. We just want more kids playing basketball and more kids coming to games to watch live basketball, whether it's us or it's university or college or, or high school or junior high. Right? That's that's the end goal. Is just build up basketball in the city.
1: Rita, what can you tell us tomorrow night? Anything special coming up on Wednesday?
2: Yeah, Wednesday, like I said, we're going to have a good crowd. Uh, we're playing the Saskatchewan Rattlers. Uh, I like our chances, especially coming off, uh, you know, a huge win on the Winnipeg Sea Bears last night, which I was there to attend, it was, and it was great to see. Um, and I say, I mean, if people don't know, the offers we have every game, we've got free parking now at Expo. we got $5 beers. we got an under $5 food menu. we got free court side cuts. Come get your haircut. Come get your shoes, your Jordans cleaned. We have that courtside as well, um, so our fan experience stuff is is amazing, and we're doing that every game. Uh, and come check out uh, a team that I think looked really good last night; is going to continue there. So to come get a dub.
1: Well, Reid, uh, we look forward to seeing it tomorrow night. Have a good one. Appreciate it. That is uh, Reed Clark, president for the Edmonton Stingers. And if you've yet to be to a game, I uh, recommend going. It's fun atmosphere, and who knows. Maybe win beer for a year. Half court shot. Bliss. Killer. Killer. Like that was all mess. Like that was great shot. Can't get much better from a half court for her. So, geez, beer for a year. Be the fun party house for a while. Good for her. That's the uh, Boondell Report brought to you by the Edmonton Stingers. Go to thestingers.ca to get your tickets for tomorrow night's game. They play Saturday, and of course, uh, again, they play on, uh, or sorry, tonight, Wednesday, and then they host Montreal on Saturday. Then they're on the road for, uh, I think, uh, three consecutive games before they're back home on June 29th. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a sports center. Updates brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home with no payments, no interest for one year on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer at LegacyHeating.ca.